Broadcasting live from the 2018 RMA International Conference at the Aria Resort in Las Vegas. It's time now for a special episode of Capital Club Radio. Broadcasting on the Pro Business Channel and across 16 syndication networks. This show made possible in part by Flock Specialty Finance. For more info, visit flockfinance.com. And now, here's your host, Chairman and CEO of Flock Specialty Finance, Michael Flock. Thank you. Good afternoon. We're delighted today to welcome Dave Ludwig, founder of NLEX, National Loan Exchange, one of the leading exchange platforms in the debt buying industry, founded in the 1980s to broker charged-off credit card and other consumer debt accounts. In 2014, NLEX was acquired by Heritage Global, a leader in distressed and surplus asset valuations and monetization transactions. Dave Ludwig introduced selling charge-offs to financial institutions, hosting the industry's first debt sales conference in 1994. Since then, he has supervised monthly sales of over 5,000 portfolios with the face value of $150 billion in the U.S. and Canada. He's been in the finance industry for over 25 years, is a frequent speaker at industry conferences, and quoted in the national media, including the New York Times and the L.A. Times. He received a degree in economics from the University of Illinois. Dave, thank you very much for being with us this afternoon. And thanks for asking me, Michael. Especially you, I graduate. We have to, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it took you so long to ask me. Yeah. Well, you were really one of the first pioneers in debt buying. I mean, back in the 80s. That's the beginning. How, how did you get this idea of selling charge-offs? I wish I could say I foresaw this industry coming and happening, but as, as a lot of things happen, it's just reactive. Uh, was with a company called Ross Dove. And it's, it's interesting we, we were talking about this because I just met with B of A and okay. trying, you know, working on business, of course, and was talking to them about the first sale we did in the industry for B of A in 1989. And I realized that one of the people weren't born mm-hmm. <laughs> that I was trying to pitch. Mm-hmm. They were not born in 1989. <laughs> so that's how far back we go. But it was just, it was, uh, we really tripped over the industry. We were doing, uh, as part of the Ross Dove Company, Ross hyphen Dove Company. And we did uh, the sales for the Resolution Trust Corporation and the FDIC of failed SNLs and banks. To give you an idea, in 1987 or 1988, there was 585 failed SNLs and banks. Oh eight, I think there was fifty two. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very very drastic, going back to those times in the late eighties. So the Resolution Trust Corporation, aka RTC, was formed to dispose of assets from failed SNLs and banks. We would tranche all of the product into performing commercial real estate, all the way down to this this kind of catch all we called JDCs, judgments, deficiencies, and charge offs. Tom Oliver was with Bank of America, and he would attend some of these auctions. And the auctions were outcry auctions with there would be seven or 800 people in the audience actually bidding on whatever pools we had. Uh, Tom said, you know, you're getting a pretty good price for these JDCs. Would you be interested in putting some, some of our B of A mm-hmm. assets into this? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So we did this. It went okay. Uh, we, we had a good sale. Uh, but that we, our focus was on the failed SNLs and banks. But in 1993, we were having one of our last sales for the RTC. 
I called on a, a, a regional bank called Boatman's mm-hmm. Bank. Uh, Boatman says, we don't have REOs, but we have $75 million in JDCs. Do you want to sell that? Sure. We're the experts because we did one five years ago. So, so we do this, this sale. Didn't do a great job. But again, that was the second sale ever in the industry of public sale of charged-off accounts. So now we are really the experts. Uh, so wow! After two, after two, yeah. It, 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 we, I thought we were after one, <laughs> yeah. but, but yeah. we decided to after two. So we host this. Uh, we invite the top thirty banks in the country uh, to attend this conference. And what year again? It was nineteen eighty? This is nineteen ninety. Now this 1993. is nineteen ninety three. Okay. Yeah. So we invite uh, you know thirty banks. They show up, and we we introduce this concept, this idea of selling charge offs. And, most, and you were just a kid then, right? 1993. I would like to think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, uh, wow. Well, I had yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, but most said, no, we, we will never sell charge-offs. I mean, that's, that's a crazy idea. Yeah. Why, why would we do this? You're going to sell to someone that we're going to lose control of, that's going to violate, that's going to threaten to break legs, and you know, we're going to be brought into lawsuits. Couldn't find out. So... Two and a half day conference, 1993. We we talk to the banks. We find out what their objections are. Again, the first objection is losing control of the account. Who is actually working the account? Uh, second objection was, what information do we have to provide to the buyer that to validate the debt? Because this was before electronic media. Right. Everything is in hard files. When we were doing a sale back then. We would set up a war room of all these files, uh, the, these cardboard boxes of files that people would come in and go through. There was nothing really of, of electronic media at that time. And so when, when we would do a sale, it's the actual files going out to the buyer, if we had buyers. So so we've done B of A in 89, 93 we did uh, Boatman's. We have this conference Still, you know, the the banks were, were very lukewarm. I don't think we wanted to sell. But we did sell with Whirlpool Financial, small one of about $25 million. Mm-hmm. And I get this call from Bud Reitzel. And anybody in the industry knows there's a Bud Reitzel award. Yeah. Asset acceptance. Yeah. Was it called that then? Yeah. Asset acceptance? Yeah. Okay. And I get this phone call. And he said, I don't know who you are, but Whirlpool Financial is my client. And I... And you have to give it up. <laughs> <laughs> Very. But if you knew Bud, yeah. it was, I said, well, you know, Mr. Reisel, I'm sorry, but we yeah. have a contract to sell this. Yeah. He said, okay, if you're going to sell it, you have to sell it to me. All right, well, we're having this bid. And we'll we'll give you no. You have to agree to do that. I, he was he was very. That was the start of a very good friendship with very assertive. And so, so we so we have this small file from Whirlpool Financial, and I invited Discover Card to attend the sale of watching the uh, uh, the the sale, and knowing Bud was going to call at three o'clock and offer the the purchase price. So Discover is very impressed of the whole process. And we don't really know. Even though we've done two sales, we're not really You're still learning sure. as you're going. Yeah, pretty much. Right. But it looked pretty good. So but did then, you advise them on pricing? What's that? Did you advise the seller on no. the pricing? No. no, because it was just reactive. We didn't know. Yeah. I, you know, we, we really didn't know. Right. And I'm not sure anybody really knew what the pricing was at that time. Mm-hmm. So they discovered watches. We do this $25 million for Whirlpool. 
Discover gives us 150 million the next month. Mm-hmm. The next month, Bank One gives us 250 million. Mm-hmm. The next month, and it just that's mm-hmm. when it started. Mm-hmm. And by I would say the tenth sale, we were we were starting to know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took mm-hmm. a few sales, but the breakthrough for us was when we did First Union in I, I think October of '94, mm-hmm. and First Union. Bill Bartman had just been in their offices. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows if you've been around for a while, Bill Bartman, CFS, love him or hate him, he was a mover in this industry. And he had been in First Union two days before mm-hmm. and said, I'm going to put Analox out of business within at he least. He was going to put Analox out yeah, of business. Within the next year. <laughs> and I, I said, well, what, what, what do he offer you? Uh-huh. Eight cents on fresh. And I said, I think I can get you 10 cents. And so we, we, they give me the deal. Bill calls. And I said, we have to have 10 cents. He said, you don't have 10 cents. I know you don't have 10 cents. He hungs up, hangs up, waited, and he called back. Fine, I'll give you 10. I said, well, actually, you got to be at 10.15. <laughs> it was the first sale that brought over 10 cents for fresh. It was the first sale that I'm aware of that went on a Ford Flow. And Bill bought that, and uh, and again, love him or hate him, he he was driving the the market as, as well as a few other people in the industry at the time. So that's where we started. And so your value add was putting together the, the these two parties, the buyers and the sellers, essentially. A- absolutely, our our focus was bringing the fair price and a, a the best market price to the buyer. But what we learned when we were doing the first. That that first conference with these these banks, mm-hmm. and you sponsored that, and we sponsored. Yeah, we, okay. it was in Fort Myers, Florida. So RMA didn't exist then. Or no, TPA. oh no, no, yeah, there, there was, was no, no there was nothing. Yeah. There was there were no sales. This was, I mean, none of there were twenty banks. Right. None of them had ever sold, right. and these were the top twenty at the time. Right. So, but we listened to what they were saying as far as their objections, and their objections were, who are we going to sell to? And this was pre- this predated by 20 years, whatever mm-hmm. the CFPB and all of the concerns we've had in since 2010 in the Dodd Frank Act. That was banks' concerns back in the 90s, early mm-hmm. 90s. So we, you know, we were we understood this. So we were concerned with not only the pricing that we're going to get, that we're going to bring the market price to the bank, whatever the market price is, but we're going to bring a buyer that's a partner. For this bank, that this bank is going to feel comfortable with. So, in other words, you were kind of a filter for buyers. You were kind of pre-approving buyers. Absolutely, okay. and, and going through just um, and, and at the time, our solicitation was a you know twenty five hundred a list of twenty five hundred collection agencies. And at the time, we would do a I think it was called a, a um, uh, email or not email blast. It was a fax blast. Yeah. <laughs> And they would send a hundred out at a time. It was great technology. Yeah, I, it was, so it would take yeah. it would take like ten or fifteen hours, right? Just to right. do these blasts, and that's that's so. And then we would filter the calls as they came in. Okay, well, have you been sued? We would ask these these questions, and so it was just everything we did was really reaction and growing with the industry. And what was your pre-approval kind of criteria for getting these banks? On your quote list, one was always 
who have have you been sued? Have you done jail time? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Now keep in mind this is a long time ago. So, okay. So no, it was it wasn't quite that right. that, that bad, but it was always you know the the Back first was yeah, you know who are you? Have you had problems? And it was still court records. So this was one thing that we could check. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to get their financials because everybody's private companies at that time. Nobody wanted to get the financials, so we had to go off hearsay. But court records are court records. So we could check that mm-hmm. and then try to get the bank comfortable with whomever mm-hmm. uh, they're doing business with. I'll go back to Bill Bartman. He was the king of promotion. He, he self-promoted himself. And, I mean, he, had, he would get banks to the point of thinking, oh, we have to sell to this guy because he's so, they're so nice. You know, they, they're taking such good care. That was that was a big part of, of what he did, but it, it so that was the first threshold we found out. But again, I wish I could say we were that smart that we wanted to find out. It was because of that conference where the banks are telling us this is what we want. Mm-hmm. That we we want to make sure that whoever we're selling to is a viable buyer. That's not going to get us in trouble. Besides the background check, though, did you have to check out their sources of capital? Are they credible or? Again, we we would try, but back yeah. in the day, that yeah. was okay, you know, it, and it was a lot of people. It was their own money, and so uh, there's there's a lot of stories of, you know, um, we we did a Saks Fifth Avenue sale, and I'm not going to mention who the buyer was, but uh, it was their first it was their first buy. Yep, and he called me a month later and said, Dave, he said you've you've completely misled us on this. We we have. Our mother gave us the money to buy this file. Right. And I said, well, I, I think you'll be okay. Just you know, hang in there. And uh, three months later, he called and he apologized. And he said, Dave, I'm, I'm 35 years old. It was our first transaction. And we're doing quite well. And so it's, that's, what, well, that's where the industry started. Well, what's fascinating here, Dave, is that you, know, you listed a couple things that were concerns. One was... The sellers felt they were losing control. A, B, there were concerns about the quality and the kind of information that you had to give to the buyers about the portfolios. And, and then I guess the third thing, which is kind of related to this, is the, there needed to be some kind of pre-approval of these buyers for the sellers, and you were learning the process along the way. And what's fascinating is... Today, with all the issues of the CFPB, it ties right back to some of these very basic things. You know, the sellers have to be confident if they're going to be selling that there is some kind of control or there's some kind of filter or some kind of process that weeds out the cowboys so that the consumers uh, are protected. Um, The information quality, that's obviously critical, and that's another piece of the regulation, I think, of, of, you know, like the chain of title and, and all that. So what's interesting to me is that the seeds of the future issues in the industry and regulation you know, we're right there at the very beginning, the birth of the debt buying industry, and you saw it. Well, we did, again, I would like to take credit that we saw it. It was the banks explaining it to us. Okay. Even back then, okay. the banks recognized that we have to be cognizant of who we're selling to. We have to – what type of documentation are we going to go? I'm, I've never been a fan of CFPB. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's – well, I have my own – but right. I will say this, that there are elements – 
that they've put in place that I th- have always thought were necessary in our industry. Mm-hmm. Proving up, validating the debt, I've always felt was 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 so important, and the banks knew this it, on day one. Mm-hmm. They were never enforced, but they knew this. This was the you know mm-hmm. this was at the creation of the industry. This is what we we need to do. Right. So. Um how, how did you capitalize Enlex when you first got started? Uh, I mean, was it your own money? Did you have investors? We were we were a division, and I worked for the, a company called the Ross Dove Company. Okay. Who was, were they were one of the, the two or three auctioneers that did the RTC and FDIC okay. auctions. Okay. But I formed Enlex as I, I when I did the the uh, boatman sale. I recognized that hey, this 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 could be something. Mm-hmm. If if I'm tripping over seventy five million of a regional bank. Mm-hmm. This is my this is University of Illinois talking. Right, right. There must be a lot more out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that you know, that that uh, type of reasoning. But so we formed Enlex as an exchange to uh, to to start offering these files on behalf of banks to the buyers. Okay, uh, you know, six years into it. I ended up buying out uh, my gotcha. partners from Enlex. It started myself, and then, but in 2014, looking at the entire market, I mean, everyone knows it was tough. We were doing okay, yeah. But what <laughs> the chairman of Heritage was also Ross Dove, the same person that I had started with that I bought Enlex from, is now with Heritage. Okay. And he makes a phone call. He says, "Why don't you join us? We are doing this, and okay. we have we have a lot of good verticals that you can take advantage of." Ross was a good friend of mine. I trusted a lot. Gave me, you know, the start. So to, a lot of the same this. investors. It was, yeah. yeah. So, so we. That's why we joined Heritage. Uh, they have one of the things I'd like to do. I, I'd like to see a little bit of vision for Enlax is going into accounts receivable, uh, not just the debt, but the accounts and so a lot performing, of, performing, performing or. Uh, a lot of some of what one of the divisions of Heritage uh, does is they have auctions of from bankruptcy reports. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have a company that's gone bankrupt, they probably have an AR file mm-hmm. that's still valid debt. But that's that's the right. type of you know, right. I'd like to see us go a little bit beyond what we're doing today. Okay, not quite performing. It should be performing. Yep. But there's not really a market for it, and that's that's been our key to success has been going outside of the core product. Core product is, is what I have ever, always called the charge off credit cards for major banks. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the core. And that's, that's what really has, has impacted the market because it hasn't been as prevalent. When you say going outside, you mean going outside the core? Exactly. Okay. Uh, today, I don't have my sheet, but if you look at our, our today's um, uh, sales that we're conducting, there's a student loan file mm-hmm. from a trade school. Uh, there's a ag loan sale. There's a secured 13 auto file. Mm-hmm. There, but there's a lot of fintech mm-hmm. and a lot of marketplace lending, yep. a lot of peer to peer. So it's it's been finding it, finding that type of product outside of the core product. Right. And last year we had the best year we've ever had in yep. 25 years. Yeah. Again, going outside of that. Just that core product. So it's evolving. It's expanding with the market. And um, before we – I want to come back to that in a second. But you, you skipped over a very important period in the history of our industry, um, meaning like 9-11. And, uh, you know, there was 
that hiccup, <laughs> more than a hiccup, that crisis. And we had the crash of 2008. Um, how, how, how did you as an entrepreneur get through those times? Did you ever worry about your survival? Because the industry went through such gyrations then. Not at that time. Uh, and whether it was 911, the, the tragedy that happened, um, or the crash of 08, or I could go back to 98, or you know, you know, back again, back in the 80s, because the, the, one of the beauties of our business is inelastic to the economy. So if the economy tanks, we have a lot of volume to sell. Mm-hmm. Price is low, but, but it, 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 it uh, balances out. Great economy. Volume is low. That's mm-hmm. what we've had since 08. Mm-hmm. We're on a 10-year run here, mm-hmm. and maybe until the last two days on the stock market. Right. But right. but we're still on a 10-year run. Yeah. Good economy. So volume's been down, but the price is up. Mm-hmm. So that it's we we do that's the one again that's one of the beauties of our industry is the inelasticity of demand of 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 demand because you have that again you have the if it's good economy low volume high price mm-hmm. bad economy high volume so oh mm-hmm. eight we had a very good year there right, was a lot of volume on there now the price was I mean, was down and in our industry demand has always chased supply. Mm-hmm. So while the the supply increase maybe double, mm-hmm. the price didn't go down by half. Mm-hmm. If, if you see what I mean, the, yeah. the demand then, has don't always. You, doesn't Enlex make money on the volumes of transactions? And there certainly was a contraction, right, in the industry after '09, and and certainly with the advent of the CFPB and the change of the regulation on chain of title, making it very difficult for the middle market guys to survive because they were buying a lot from the large sellers. Michael, you hit it right on the money. It's, it was after the Dodd-Frank and after CFPB. Uh-huh. That was the first time, I think, in our industry because we could adjust to good economy, bad economy, good pricing, bad pricing. Mm-hmm. What we couldn't adjust to was a stroke of a pen from the United States or from a right. regulatory agency dictating what we can or cannot do. So all of a sudden we have a foreign influence mm-hmm. that we we had no idea mm-hmm. that was that scared the banks mm-hmm. out of out of selling right. a lot of the volume of accounts so that's where the volume really dried up that's where i think um if you go back between just looking at this conference mm-hmm. at the rma conference between 2013 and 2015 it, it was there was a lot of gloom and doom here because mm-hmm. there just wasn't quality product on the right. market right and it was before the marketplace lending was really taking taking uh, taking off in peer to peer and in the fintechs, so there was not a lot of replacement for the volume that had left the market. The last two years, I've seen a lot of change of the attitude of buyers and and participants in this industry at this conference. And you know, one of it was obviously the the administration change and the the, mm-hmm. the CFPB did not have the backing they they did previously. For whatever you know reason, but I, I'm seeing a a big difference of attitude, of positive attitude, because of that period of thirteen to fifteen or twelve. You know when it really impacted the marketplace because what the CFPB was was raining. Right. So during that period of quote drought, did you worry about the survival of Enlex? I joined Harris. Well, you joined Heritage, so <laughs> that was a good time. I, can't, I just can't skip around that. It, but was Heritage worried about the uh, no Heritage the was not um, it, be, well, and again we I decided to join Heritage because we needed to expand beyond 
just the core product, Mm -hmm. what everyone was used to buying. And Heritage offered that to us, that they had these verticals that we could take advantage of and and cross into. Uh, As I said, with with maybe account receivables, uh, Mm -hmm. I I hope it's not mine. <laughs> I thought I shut mine off, but anyway. Um, so the, the what heritage? I wasn't worried as much as I think we needed to look outside of the box that we were operating in, mm-hmm. and that's that's what heritage offered. Plus, I trusted the chairman of the of, right. Of You've known forever. I, I had known and, forever. And so, heritage provided you a platform for growth into other asset classes. You know, more in the performing. I guess in other verticals. So. Absolutely. Okay. And that's and that's been, again, last year was the best year I've, I had, yep. I've had since '89. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and for the company that that, that we've had. Uh huh. So how do you differentiate your platform, which is obviously probably the first? Um, but there are other platforms that you compete with. How, what's different about Enlex? Obviously, the first difference is we've been there from, as you said, from day one. Under Enlex, mm-hmm. there, there's nobody that has been uh, under one company under one name from the from day one. So that's that's one differentiation. But the other is, I, I think we've we've really done a pretty good job in the last four years of expanding beyond the core product, mm-hmm. of bringing new types of product to the market. Uh, an example uh, for profit trade schools, which have been hammered in the media. For-profit trade schools? Right. Okay. The, the trade schools where yeah. you want to learn to be a medical yep. technician yep. or whatever, and they loan you the money to do it, and it doesn't work out or you don't pay it. Um, we saw that market ex- uh, being able to exploit. So we, we started doing the sales of the uh, for-profit for mm-hmm. trade schools. Uh, the, the marketplace, great example. What, what great in- innovation – these these people have had mm-hmm. to recognize what CFPBs done to the banking community, and and create an alternative to the banking community. Well, there's going to be debt to be sold on that, so we were ex- able to expand on that. That was just and and the ag. You know, today the 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 farmers have experienced about three or four years of down commodity prices after experiencing six or eight years of very high commodity pricing, of which they spent a lot of money on new tractors, new technology. So all of a sudden, we, we right now we have two very large ag portfolios out. So it's our, you know, what we've been able to do, and what's I think maybe different with other platforms, is go outside of of the norm and to be able to bring in new new product. It's and it's fun. It's fun to try to price something that's never been sold. So that's sort of like Enlex two dot one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the next the next generation of Enlex in the context of the heritage uh, platform, and in wrapping it up here, could you share with our listeners, I guess, your view now of the market environment uh, going forward? You just said, I think today you met with B of A. What what's the outlook, particularly going back to where you started the core with all these banks? What what's the outlook for the debt buying industry now in eighteen and beyond? Well, I think that with with the banks as they as this market matured and banks established their own buyer rep or their buyer group of maybe 15 or 20. So I think that, you, you know, first and foremost, the, one of the changes I've seen is you know, we went from 28 banks that attended that first conference after the mergers and acquisitions, those 28 are eight 
mm-hmm. banks. So, you know, we have a small group of major sellers that represent a high percentage. They're probably going to continue doing their own sales. They may use a us or someone else once in a while, but I think, and they are going to go to a very few, a, a very small group of buyers. Okay, I think that that's the trend. I, I don't see that really changing in, in, in mm-hmm. the next ten years, but I see so many other opportunities outside, and I see buyers starting to take a look. That okay, we're not getting it on the core product. Maybe we'll take a look at this other product. You know, maybe there's something to be other said. product meaning the performing receivables, the performing in account receivables, what, auto or uh, well, uh, you know, auto and, and and cred. Yeah, hell, all of those that are not they're outside of the core product. Okay. Uh, but specifically, the ones that have not, you know, the auto's pretty mature. You know, we've been selling those for 20 years. Uh, but when you take a look at the trade schools, that product, and it's, and it's good paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you take a look at, like I say, the marketplace or the peer-to-peer or the fintech or the ag loans, looking outside of that box, that's where I think a lot of the buyers are having to look at. Because uh, there's, it's, it's just a, a few group of buyers that right now are buying from the, the 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 banks that are selling, right? And so that's 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 what I see with the market. And here at RMA, you know, most of the registrants are middle market debt buyers, and who now aren't able to buy directly from the banks. Do you see that changing at all, um, or do you think this chain of title and the and the ban on resales for some of them is going to continue? And if that does continue, then what would be your counsel for the middle market? Well, it, it, as I said, I, th- I think it's the outside of the core product. Okay. I think if I'm middle market buyer, okay, I'm I'm not going to focus on the city banks or the B of A credit cards. I'm probably not going to win it if even if I'm there. So I'm I'm going to look at outside of that, and there's enough volume there. We we did over three billion dollars last mm-hmm. year, and and a lot of not not large deals. I mean, it was fun 25 years ago when we were doing five six hundred million dollar sales or a billion dollar sale. That was fun to do, but that's not that's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm middle market, I'm looking at looking at outside of that core box okay. where I can be a participant, where I'm not. Yeah, you know, it, it's the issuer is they, it may be a ten million dollar file right. instead of a million dollar or right. instead of a hundred million right. file. Okay, so you know many of our listeners, uh, including of course those here at RMA, are entrepreneurs like you. Uh, you can write a book probably on this industry after thirty years. Um, what are some of the lessons learned as an entrepreneur that you can share? And kind of summarizing our interview here, Dave for our listeners who want to f- learn from leaders like you that have started from scratch in an industry that has gone through incredible change over 30 years. And, Michael, I appreciate those comments. But as we talked a little bit earlier, I'm from a dairy farm. I was born and raised on a dairy farm. We just worked. And we learned how to work. If you wanted to go to a party, if you wanted to go on a date or play in a bath, you did chores first. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost is... Uh, work hard. That's you know you, you. I hear all the time, work smart, not hard. Work hard. You know, I, I, I will. Do, you know, it's it's good to to do both. Right. But uh, you know, with with anything, 
I think it's just it's like playing a baseball game where you cannot strike out. You, if you can take as many swings as you want and never strike out, that's what opportunity is. Okay, and that's what business opportunities are in our industry. Is it, but you have to take the swings. If you you know you're not going to get on base if you don't swing. But we have the opportunity to always be out there swinging, and that's that's what that's my that's always been my focus. Is if I'm going to go out there, I'm I'm going to try out work. They can work smarter than me, but I'm going to try out work them. So that that's that's the number one for me is just knowing that there's there's opportunities. And if if you're taking enough swings, an industry like what RMA is representing today right. can start. Yep, and it starts from nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's that that would be my my focus. Well, the other thing that I'm learning here from you, Dave, in connecting the dots in our discussion here, um, you also had some relationships that were really important that continued throughout the last 30 years. B of A, all these banks that you started with, you are still working with today. And those relationships, I think, give you a uh, legacy and a history and a sustenance almost for Enlex, uh, plus your investors and and, and the people you work with who are now with Heritage. So, you know, you've got both your sellers, your investors, and that's kind of your future that's helping you keep swinging as you say it. It is, and, and, and thank you for bringing that up because all we are is a relationship business. We don't make widgets. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing we're buying and selling. It's, we are a relationship business. It's not just Anlex having a relationship. It's Tony Spencer having the relationship with Seller A. It's Van Millis having mm-hmm. relationship. It's Chris Jenkins. It's, it's all of our people having these, these relationships with people. So it's, you know, when, we, when I talk about joining Heritage, what did we really – all we brought was these, mm-hmm. these relationships mm-hmm. into a, a, company, a public company like Heritage. So that's you – know, it's, it's all relationship business. And, and, that's, and I have I've had some very, very close friends over the last 30 years. And some have, have passed. Yep. Um, but we've also seen from – if we were talking 10 years ago, I would say we have 2,500 registered buyers in our – in our system that we actively uh, solicit to after CFPB, we realize we have to kind of be on the cutting edge of what banks are looking at. What are the banks going to approve? So we started vetting our buyers and you know, we're, we're down to about 450 approved buyers that in our registered network, um, that's across the board, but that's been a big change. And I've seen some very good people, good friends that I know are good buyers, but they would not be able to pass a muster mm-hmm. of being approved by, mm-hmm. a, by a seller. So, you know, that's, so we've, we've had to do that. We, and, and good people, but you know, right now we approve less than 10% of people trying to register in our process. Okay. Just cause we have to stay right in, in that. We have to be where the banks are. Yep. Uh, we are, we're very proud. We just became SOC two. Mm-hmm. We just went through the SOC 2, and so we're, mm-hmm. we, we've passed that audit. I think we're probably the only ones in that situation. We, So, you know, we've tried to stay on the cutting edge of the technology, of the data transfers, of what we have to do to work in, in conjunction with the banks. Dave, this has been a fascinating half-hour conversation about how you have 
built this incredible business um, with lessons from a dairy farm, (laughs) (laughs) lessons from a dairy farm in Southern Illinois, you know, work hard. Yeah. Working smart is nice, but working hard is the differentiator. I guess. Secondly, what I've learned is keep swinging, keep swinging. And that's what NLEX can do with the transactions, the limes. You just keep swinging and there's that elasticity of demand in your business. That's wonderful. And I guess lastly, and most importantly, maybe it's also relationships, because that's what, you know, is the common theme through the 30 years that we've talked about here, whether it's with sellers or investors or employees. It's wonderful. And I hope you'll write your book someday about about this industry. But it sounds like there are a few more chapters remaining in the in the next generation here of NLEX and Heritage. Well, and I'd be remiss not to mention one relationship is my son, Tom. Uh, who came to me as a sophomore in college, and he he grew up with Enlex. He said, "What I'm really wanting to get involved with Enlex. What 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 classes should I take?" I said, "I need a lawyer." <laughs> <laughs> and six years later, he came and he said, "I'm a lawyer now. <laughs> what do I do?" So he but Tom has come into the the industry as an attorney, growing up in this industry. That's really taking us to the next level of things that I of initials that I don't know what they stand for. Right. <laughs> so I don't even know what SOC two really means, but <laughs> but we are that. And so, but anyway, that's that's has been fun to watch him, the next generation. Yep. Uh, Van Mills, uh-huh. Chris Jenkins, uh, Tony Spencer, all these guys coming into the building next generation. The next. Yeah. And they, and, and I think they have the same one. philosophy I do. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Just, just keep swinging. So they're keeping swinging, and yeah. you're keeping swinging, and we look forward to hearing kind of the next chapter on NLEX going forward. So thank you, Dave, for this very rich perspective of the past and the future of our, of our wonderful debt buying industry. Michael, thank you very much. Thank you. We want to thank you for listening to this special episode of Capital Club Radio with your host, Michael Flock, and his guest, live from the 2018 RMA International Conference at the Aria Resort in Las Vegas. Made possible in part by Flock Specialty Finance, more than a transaction. For more info, visit flockfinance.com. To listen to a rebroadcast and more episodes, visit capitalclubradio.com.